welcome to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, and my computer once again is lagging here and not doing what it's supposed to be doing. So this music is playing for about 20 seconds longer than anyway. Uh, I am the content manager over at So Called Fantasy Experts and the founder of Fantasy There it goes. I believe my host, my host is on the line. I'm having all sorts of issues. You there? I'm here. Hey, what's going on, man? I don't know what's going on. I was here on time. I heard the music. No, no, no. I I know. No, I know you were. My computer was lagging tonight. I don't know what the deal was. I thought they were trying to blame me for being late again. Nope, nope. It's usually the case, but no, you were good tonight. Anyway, um... So, how's it going, man? Not pretty good. Can't complain. Too much, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No one will listen. <laughs> yeah, definitely not, man. Um, anyway, so tonight we are going to be getting into our pitchers preview, both starting pitchers and relievers. Um so it's going to be a busy, busy show, so let's get into it. But first, I do want to talk about some some news items. I always feel like these are important to get into. So one of the bigger ones is Johnny Peralta injured, uh, something to do with his ligament of his thumb. So he's out two to three months. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's draftable much anymore. I mean – Deeper leagues, absolutely, and standard leagues, I'm not so sure. I mean, unless you've got a DL spot, but you're probably going to end up having to use that DL for somebody better than Johnny Peralta at some point in the first two, three months. So I'm not sure he's really worth it. Um, so far, I don't see a lot of replacements for him from the Cardinals. So I don't think there's somebody that you can just – immediately plug in from that team unless I'm completely missing something. I don't know about you. Uh, I don't, I mean, what are we looking at? Like Pete Cosma or something like that? Probably. I don't even know if he's still on the team. <laughs> um, I, uh, no, I, I don't think it's Pete Cosma. No. And the fact that we don't <laughs> even know who it is is probably not a good thing. It's uh, it's actually Jed Giorgo. Uh, possible. It's decent. I didn't. I forgot he signed with them. He's gonna be like their super utility guy. Um, but now he's gonna be shoved into the starting shortstop role for a few months. So yeah, I mean that could be a potential boost to him. But whatever. Uh, don't get too excited. Um, probably to be perfectly honest with you, one of the bigger one of the bigger injuries in my opinion is Carter caps, the reliever slash potential closer for the Miami Marlins. He got shut down for Tommy John surgery and done for the year. I mean, this guy was absolutely unreal last year, a 16.1 K per nine, um, actually beat Araldus Chapman. Unbelievable. I kind of think that this guy if he wasn't going to get the starting job for for uh, saves, I mean, he was going to be somebody that even in leagues that didn't count holds, you wanted on your team because his ratios were so incredibly good and the boost in strikeouts you got from him. 
was was incredible. Um, and then lastly, I hate this move, but the Orioles signed Pedro Alvarez, and the Orioles are officially going to break the all-time, not the all-time, the season record for team strikeouts. <laughs> There's no possible way we do not break this with Chris Davis, Mark Trumbo, Pedro Alvarez, and hell, even Adam Jones strikes out quite a bit. So does Matt Wieters. We have a full nine people who strike out a ridiculous amount. So it is going to be an interesting an interesting offense, to say the least. They are going to score 400 runs in a single game, but they are also going to strike out 400 times in the in the course of the full season. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of home runs. It'll be fun <laughs> at times. Uh, yeah, it's they're going to they're going to be an interesting. Um, it is well, four hundred um, four hundred strikeouts across a whole season for a whole team is really not that bad. Do you think? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm I mean, numbers up. I'm just frustrated. Like Davis probably had like 130 on his own yeah. at least. So uh, he's, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Let's yeah. Not, let's not, let's not increase not that by a ton more. I'm just super frustrated by the move. I don't like it. I think they needed to get an outfielder who had speed and could get on base and take Machado out of that top spot in the lineup and move him down. But they are not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, I had a little, uh, little yeah. fowler in my throat there. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so, something about that. I mean, does it sound anything Ooh. like this? Are you the man at the moment? I found I found your sound clip finally loaded from last week. Um, yeah. <laughs> so better late than never. Yeah, I figured why not. I might as well throw it in there. So anyway, those are the those are the news items. Um, I mean, Alvarez, yeah. hey, he's got some value. It's I it's yeah, uh, I, I don't hate home run signing. I, I hate it. Uh, he doesn't fit. I mean, he doesn't fit with the team. That means we have Trumbo in the outfield. That's gonna be awful. Well, yeah, it is, but I mean, maybe they'll throw Paredes in outfield, or they'll figure something out. You know, who knows? Um, but I mean, Alvarez. Yeah, but then where do you put Trumbo and Alvarez? Like, they have to play. Their bat has to be in the lineup. That's the problem. Well, on days, yeah. I mean, you're gonna have Alvarez at DH. You could have Davis over at third. You could have. Manny at shortstop if, you know, and when Hardy gets hurt. Um, and, and then you have uh, Alvarez over at first. So, uh, you know, and Alvarez. But then we're talking about Reimold or Rickard. Well, but, yeah, I mean, Reimold needs to, I mean, he's shown streaks of good power and, you know, and good play, but he's just never on the field. So I don't ever count on him. But Alvarez has nice power. I'd like to see what he can do in the ballpark. Yes, he will strike out a ton. But either way, I I don't completely hate the signing. But that's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> all right. Well, you have a different a difference of opinion than I. So whatever. So be it. 
I'm not I'm not a big fan of it. I definitely did not want to sign Alvarez. He was like the one guy. Every time I heard that we were going to possibly sign him, I cringed. I did not want to do it. Um, uh, so, yeah, that said, um, moving on to our final position preview of the season. Well, final positions, I should say. Um, starting pitching here. Vaughn into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. I've been waiting to use Major League the entire time, and I've, I'm going to go a little crazy with it tonight, apparently. So, <laughs> All right. Great um, it's fantastic. I was watching the clips for like a half hour of work today. Don't tell my boss. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway... Um, so starting pitching, man, like if, if there is, if this isn't the deepest position in baseball, I don't really know what is, I think outfield rivals it, but I think starting pitching because it has gotten so much better over recent years. I mean, the average ERA is consistently below four now. Uh, the K per nine rates are up. The walk rates are down. Everything is better. You're seeing guys consistently throw below three ERAs. Hell, you've got guys throwing below twos, like starting pitchers throwing below twos. That's that's craziness. You just don't see that. Um, so, I mean, because of that, You know, like I used to be a big advocate of waiting on pitching. Like, you know, the top guys were good and I get it, but the difference between those top guys and the rest of the guys were like, whatever, I can make do with anybody. They were all kind of the same when you lump them all together. Mm -hmm. So, but now because I feel like it has gotten so good and pitching is so dominant, you have to go after some of these top 10 you know, top 15 guys, you have to get at least, in my opinion, you know, one top 10, two top 15, two top 20 guys to keep competitive in this. Because if you don't get those legit guys, the guys with 200 strikeouts, the guys with, you know, three and below ERAs, you know, one around the one whips, you're not going to be able to compete with the guys that go out there and get, go after the Kershaws, go after the sales, go, go after the Scherzers, you know, those guys, you're not going to be able to compete unless you get really lucky and find a bunch of Dallas Keuchel's, you know, which that's going to be pretty hard to do. Um, so that, I mean, that's how I'm doing it. Like my opinion on this pitching has changed drastically over the last three years. I used to be a weight guy. Not, I wouldn't take my first pitcher till like round six or seven in standard 12 team snake drafts. Um, but now like in our, in our league, I'm keeping two of them. So they're worth my, you know, at worst third or fourth pick third and fourth round picks. I'm keeping DeGrom and I'm keeping Cole. So you can see how my view on pitching has changed over the last two, three, you know, three or four years. Well, yeah, I mean, you're sitting at number seven and number twelve overall in, you know, fantasy pros consensus rankings. There, those are guys that to me are no-brainer keepers right now. Not only are they rated that high, but they're young, they're good, 
really good. So, you know, they've earned those ratings to me. And like I told you when we were kind of talking about who we were just going to keep, I said it right then. I was like, got to go with those two guys. I mean, I have those same two guys and Max Scherzer in my dynasty league, and it's like no-brainer keepers. Great. Yeah, people. pretty much. So that doesn't really matter there. Oh, and they're but, all like top 30 players like overall right now. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's but, crazy how much how much better the pitching has gotten. Yeah, it, it really has. It's really changed the the landscape of it and of the the game in real life along with fantasy, you know. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of how it is. It's like, well, if it really changes, then it's going to change in make-believe team land too. Um, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about my pitching-heavy league and how this year I'm pretty sure that the first round, depending on how the point change things that we've been tossing around go, could easily again be 10 of the 12 teams or 9 of the 12 teams pick a starting pitcher. Okay. Yeah, the so, only guys that would go in the first round of that league would be the Trouts, the Harpers, and the you know Goldschmidt. It's it's yeah, and that's those it. are probably the three. Maybe Giancarlo, but I think he's still an early second rounder. And no, he won't go that early. He's not even you know you'd get you'd probably get like a Donaldson or a Machado or something like that before any of those other guys go. That's, yeah. Yeah, um, that that yeah. league that league's pretty crazy when it comes to pitching. I hope you, I really do hope you guys change the rules because it'll be more fun for everybody. Like it's to me, it's not fun to have like basically you have <laughs> you essentially have like a pitching draft because the first half of your draft is all pitchers, and then you have like a hitters draft. Like that's kind of stupid. Yeah. Um, no, so, and, and well, that's what I was thinking, but then it's like. You know, no, that's not going to work either because somebody's going to bitch about having a cap on how many pitchers they can have, and if they have more guys that get injured, then they're going to be at a downside. And it's like, hey, guess what? If you would have taken these guys anyways and they still got injured, you'd still be at that, you know, at that uh, that downside. Yeah, so I mean, it's, I don't know. I, just... I, I, I I posted something up about you know what you and I were talking about your idea of lowering the total points per out um, and put an example up of even – so right now we're sitting at – and I don't want to dwell on this too much, but we're at, we're at one point per out. So a solid outing by, you know, my example was Madison Bumgarner on opening day goes like eight innings, you know, five hits, two walks, uh, two earned runs, and, you know, 10 Ks or something and gets the win. And whatever my, my numbers were, he ended up with 31 points with our, our current system. So I split it up to even doing a half point per out, and it already dropped it down to 20 points for the outing, which is still a pretty high score, but it's much more in line with what, you know, a decent offensive guy is going to put up throughout the whole week in his, you know, anywhere from five to seven games. So, I don't know. We're we're still going back and forth on that. But like I said, I, I mean, don't want to on that. All the commission has to do, so I mean, all the commission has to do is change the rules real quick, and then look at the like projections, or even look at like last year's standings mm-hmm. for the players, yeah. and see, see who, who and where. see how it balances, and just go and like try and figure out the best balance. Because right now, like, you guys are so top 
you know, so pitcher heavy at the top. It's not, to me, it's not fun, but I mean, you know, to each of their own, like, it's just not for me. Anyway, we, yeah. we do need to move on. We got a lot to cover today. So, um, the first guy, and, you know, I mentioned pitchers that are, have just gotten ridiculous over the last couple of seasons is, uh, Jake Arietta. And, you know, he finished last year with a, 1.77 ERA, I believe, and and uh, and uh, screwed me up. Yeah, 1.77 ERA. You know, over nine, over over K per nine, 22 wins, NL Cy Young winner, ridiculous season. I mean, the second half he had was just remarkable. Less than a run. Uh, Less than one ERA. It, it was it was it was a crazy season. I mean, I do you think he's even could keep even come close to something like that again? And is he worth the number three starting pitcher pick right now? Because that's that's where he's being ranked and where he's going ADP. Uh, I I don't think the ERA is going to stay there. That's very difficult to do, even pitching in the, the junior circuit or whatever it is that they call it for the NL. He's still in a tough division, and it's going to be a very competitive division overall. I mean, especially with the top three teams between the Cubs, Pittsburgh, and, and St. Louis. Um, you know, all very good offensive teams. But I, it's just, to me, it just seems very very out, out of worldly to, to even get to that point to begin with. Mm-hmm. But I still, I think he's, I don't think he's worth the number three pick overall. I mean, I think people are banking on what he did and, you know, just as, as it goes in fantasy, the following year, those people get bumped way up, you know? So, uh, you know, if Zach Greinke was still in L.A., I think he would probably be in that number three spot, um, you know, or at least higher than the number yeah. eight that he's sitting at. Yeah, I could, uh, I could, I could see that. I but, definitely bumped him down because of because of the the move to Arizona. Yeah, but I mean, I I'm, see, I've got, I've got Sale, I've got. Bumgarner, I don't have my rankings up in front of me. I don't memorize them. <laughs> but I want to say I have, I've got, say, I definitely have Sale ahead of him. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've got Bumgarner. Um, I, you know, I, I've kind of turned a little more favorable to Arietta. Um, actually, no, I did, I did, I did move Arietta back up to four. Um, and I and I'll tell you why. Like I, I had him down at like seven or eight at one point. Um I started doing a little more digging into him and you know, I, I was soured on him because he's been Oriole and I was all mad that he got moved. But I had to I had to push that aside and look at him again. And you know, you look back at twenty fourteen, he had a two five three ERA. Um last year one seven seven. No, he's not doing that again. Um so don't draft him based off of that. Um but he's going to be good again. I mean, the the thing that changed when he got to Chicago is he added a another pitch, and, and he started you know he started using um, 
you know, he started using, you know, his breaking ball a lot more. He started, you know, he started mixing in his sinker and slider a lot more. And so he's able to get those swing and misses. And that's what's making a big difference for him. Um, he's still going to be good, but don't draft him thinking you're getting 177 ERA again. Um, that's just, that's unimaginable to happen again. Um, the the one big worry I do have about him is his innings increased by 46% last year over his next highest. You know, he was at 226 innings last year and you can almost equate it to like a running back in football getting a heavy workload. I mean, there are pitchers like Kershaw and Price and all those guys, they get heavy workloads all the time, but they're used to it. Their arm is used to it. This He's never pitched before last year. He never got above 156 innings. That's a huge workload increase. And last year he was at 229. You know, you kind of saw it in the postseason where he just kind of wasn't that same dominant guy. And, Maybe it was because the toll of the season and all those innings got to him. And you never know how that's going to carry over into the next season. That's my only worry with him. But I think he's overall going to be a good pitcher. Um, But I have him a little lower than I think most do. Um, I have bumped him back up. But, you know, I can can go both ways. Like, uh, as far as, you know, with him at four, putting Price at four, putting – uh, Bumgarner at five and bumping him to six instead. Like I, I can mix and match those guys all day long, and it wouldn't bother me one bit. Um, yeah, yeah, so. I, I agree with that. I think he's he's interchangeable with that that top thing. I mean, basically, it's Clayton Kershaw, and then it's the next tier. <laughs> so um, yes, yeah, so Kershaw, and then Scherzer, and then and then tier three, <laughs> like Scherzer's yeah. tier two. Um, hopefully he doesn't have a second half like he did last year. That was miserable. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I mean, again, is he the number three starting pitcher? I don't think so. I've got Sale ahead of him. You know, I so I've got him four right now. But you know, he could easily slip all the way down to like number seven if I was you know to look at some numbers differently and just study a little bit more. I'm not even. I had him down there originally, and I bumped him back up. Um, yeah, perfect so, example of of how highly rated he is. Though the guy who owns him in our our league offered him to me for Manny Machado straight up because I already have Chris Bryant. You know, oh right, paper, yeah, you told me that. It's not a bad trade, but I love Manny, and he's a bona fide first round pick. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, so I I, I just and he's much younger. Oh yeah, exactly. So. Either way, but let's move yeah. on to the next one here. Yeah, so um, two guys that really struggled last year in the American League Central, um, Johnny Cueto and the Shark, Jeff Samarja, they have now formed alliances and went to the new uh, San Francisco Giants. I'm sitting here, Giants. <laughs> um now, what do you think about these guys? I mean, they both really struggled last year. Although, I mean, Cueto had a bad second half. Um, Samarja had a bad season. Um, but I mean, what do you what do you think about these guys? Can they bounce back and be the the guys that we had gotten used to seeing? I mean, Cueto was like a top five pitcher there for a little while. He was awesome. 
well, he was the, the top pitcher in points leagues um, two years ago. Yeah. And, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. You know, his, his fall from grace was pretty steep, I feel like. And, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, along with probably you, myself, I didn't see him repeating anywhere close to what he put up. Um, but then he went to Kansas City where you thought, okay, well, this is a great situation for him. He only needs to pitch six innings, and then they take it from there with the bullpen, and he's good. But he right. he just seemingly imploded when he got there, and, and he just was so up and down. Um, I, I mean, I think that he can – I think he can definitely bounce back. I think he'll be somewhere in between two years ago and last year, you know, closer to – two years ago. I, I don't think he's going to have that poor of a season again. Um, you know, I mean, if you, look a, at the, if you look at the difference here between when he was with the Reds last season and when he got traded to the Royals, let me tell you some of these. Let me rip off some of these for you. He went 7-6 and six as a starter for the Reds with a 2.62 ERA, a .93 whip, and 120 strikeouts and 130 innings. When he got traded to the Royals, he pitched a, he pitched 81 innings, went four and seven, four seven six ERA, and a one four five WHIP, and only 56 strikeouts. The difference is mind blowing. It's so bad. It's a completely different pitcher. Like, is it the difference between AL and NL? I don't know. But he's moving back to the NL and a, moving back to a pitcher's perk. I mean, the San Francisco Giants, they. Uh, their park allowed the least number of runs and home runs last season. Granted, some of that has to do with their offense, but they get to play the Padres all the time. They get to play Dodgers, who are old, and I don't think their offense is as good as a lot of people think it is. Arizona, who, after Goldschmidt and Pollock, who cares? Um, he gets some good matchups for the majority of the season in a pitcher's ballpark. That's, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to bounce back real well this year. Yeah. I was just going to say that, you know, him going to that park is definitely a nice help. Um, so I, I think he'll be fine. Uh, I don't know. Again, like I said, I don't think he's going to be quite the 2014, version, but I do think he's going to be pretty far ahead of, of the 2015 version. Yeah, fair enough. What do you think about Jeff Samarja? Well, I, I've always kind of had a, a little soft spot for Samarja, you know, yet another one of my man crushes, but I, again, I, I like him going to this park. He's, you know, back in the NL um, where He's had, you know, some success. I, I don't want to say that he's been any kind of elite pitcher by any means. He's always kind of been, you know, he was initially the number one guy in Chicago, but that's really all they had for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, he doesn't have to be that guy. I mean, he, he can kind of fall back. He's going to settle in as the number three guy. Um and then they, you know, they finish out with TV and and Matt Cain, who 
talk about fall from grace, but I mean, I I gotta see much more improvement from him. I think he's he was sitting at a four nine six ERA last year, and only one hundred sixty three yeah. strikeouts. You know, eleven and thirteen record is just they're they're just way way off from his career stats. Although the WHIP is is roughly the same, one one two nine last year and a one two eight career. I think that his strikeouts will probably be a little bit higher. Uh, I, I'd like to see him in the 180s. And I think the ERA can potentially dip down below four. So, I, I mean, I, it depends on what their offense can do as far as him getting the wins and losses. I think he'll right. have a ton of quality starts. Um, with With those stats I'm kind of looking at from him, but the win total... I wouldn't be surprised if that hovered around that 11 to, you know, maybe 14 mark. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of just Samarja. His, his, his walk rate, not his walk rate is usually okay, but his whip is bad. Like he just allows a lot of hits. Um, you know, his, his strikeout rate, as you mentioned, dipped down significantly, almost, almost a full two uh, from his, his uh, previous season and actually more than a full two from the three before that. So I think, I think those are bound to bounce back. I don't think all of a sudden he just forgot how to strike out people. Um, But, you know, I mean, you never know though. I mean, he is, he is 31. Maybe arms is dead. He has had, now three consecutive seasons of 200 plus innings and the season before that 174. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not as high on Samarja as, as some people. Um, I fell into the trap when he kind of started getting on fire last year and traded for him. And then he went right back to being the miserable pitcher. He had been the rest of the year. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not huge on him. Um but you know, I like Cueto. I'm not big on the shark. I think you know, he'll be better than last year, but he's not going to be great. I'm not, I'm not really going to target him by any means. So some other guys though that are returning from injuries. Um two big ones that came to mind right away is uh Adam Wainwright and Marcus Stroman. Um, I'll start off here with, with Rainwright. Um, I think he's going to be good. You know, we saw him in the postseason last year. He was pitching out of the bullpen. He was, he was fine. He looked healthy, um, and he was effective. And even the beginning of last year, he was really effective. Um, I, I think he can be good. I just think you have to limit your expectations with him and be more realistic with what you are going to get from him. He's no longer that 200 pitch that 200 strikeout pitcher that, that you got a few years ago, he's going to be a, you know, six to seven K per nine type of pitcher with a good ERA, good whip. And if he can stay healthy, you know, he pitches a lot of innings. Uh, So that's the type of pitcher you're going to get with him. And it's plenty valuable in fantasy leagues. What do you think about Stroman here? I really like Stroman. Um, you know, he he showed a lot of promise 
um, when he first came in, and then he, he, you know, had the injury that he had to deal with. But then he bounced back, and and he showed some solid signs at the end of last year. Toronto, we've talked about it before. They're a powerful team. I think you know the the potential for him to get wins and quality starts is very high. Um, as long as he can keep his his stats in check, I, I really like the guy. I think he's you know he's young. He's a powerful pitcher. I really like him. Yeah, my thing about him though is it's kind of weird. Like he blew people away in the minors. You know, every single spot stop he had, he was over a ten K per nine. But in the in the majors, it quite hasn't it hasn't quite um, translated into the same. Like yeah, this guy was going to be a drop, but it's been a pretty significant drop for him in the majors, and so that's kind of weird. Like I. I'm not really sure on him. Like I like him. I uh, I like all the peripherals he's got from the minors. You're just kind of waiting for him to put it all together completely in the majors. And um, so, you know, I, I like him. I'm definitely going to target him in in my leagues. Um, but you know, I just think you may not be able to get that like high strikeout guy that you might have expected you know, looking at his minor league numbers. Um, So moving on to uh, one of the things I want to talk about was kind of, you know, we had a really good, I'm kind of call them like rookie freshman class of, of pitchers last season and, and three kind of different level guys that, that I want to talk about here and just kind of see what, you know, let's talk about how they're going to, pitch in their sophomore season. Um, the top one here is, is, uh, is Noah Syndergaard or, or Thor is his nickname. It's probably one of the coolest nicknames ever. Um, I mean, this guy, I mean, this guy was as good as you can get, man. Like 23 year old, three, two, four ERA, a 1.05 whip. It's ridiculous. All of his peripherals also support these numbers. And there is, to my opinion, there is no reason why you can't expect the same or even better. Um, I mean, I had him in our in our keeper league, and I was actually tempted to keep him, but you know, considering I already had Degrom and Cole, I didn't want to keep three pitchers out of my four keeper spots, and I was able to trade him for uh, for a couple upgrades in draft pick rounds. So that was that was pretty nice. Um, you know, I mean, he is the 18th ranked pitcher. So, if, you know, on fantasy pros right now. Um, so I think there's a lot of people buying into it and I, I, I totally agree with him. Yeah, I really like Syndergaard. Um, I think, you know, with last year when he came up and then being able to pitch more innings this year, I still think he might be on a slight innings limit. But yeah, he might be. That'll that'll remain to be seen. But I don't. I'm not worried about that right now. I mean, the guy's a monster. So get him in, out there. I think the rating is is pretty set. You know, dead on for where he is. Um, 18 is. I mean, it is kind of optimistic, actually. I mean. You look at Sonny Gray behind him, one spot. Cole Hamels a couple spots back at 22. And Wainwright, who we just talked about, sitting at 24. 
you know, if Wainwright's completely healthy and he's going to be that innings eater, he might have more value than Syndergaard. But the guy's a fireballer, so I mean, I, I'm just excited to see him back out. See, that hurts to say that because I hate the Mets, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, I, always, I, I start forgetting you're a Phillies fan still because you <laughs> root for the O's so hard. So well, it's hard to talk fun. about Philly when they're in this rebuilding right now. There's not much good to talk about with them. So That is true. So a couple of the other guys that I want to talk about uh, is uh, Carlos Rodon and Luis Severino. And I'll, you know, I'll just run through these guys real quick and then you can give your take. So Rodon to me, um, you know, he, he was one of the, the high, higher touted prospects coming out last year. Uh, number 15 prospects, according to baseball America. Um, I mean, his first start was pretty ridiculous. He threw eight strikeouts in six innings. I, I do remember that and just being like, Holy crap, who is this kid? Um, and you know, his, he was really inconsistent though. Like his ERA was jumping all, all around. It, it went all the way from like almost five down to like two and a half back up to five. And then ultimately just kind of fell right in the middle. Um, so I, I think the skills are there. I think he just needs to keep his command under control. And obviously the, the strikeouts are there. I'm leery on him this year because of that command. I, I want to see him harness it a little more before I'm willing to kind of go all in on him because I think, you know, his his price right now, I mean, the guys around him are guys like Taiwan Walker, Ventura, Rodon. I mean, maybe if I saw his name there along with some other guys, I might. I might. hovering around him you, you might it might be too risky but it's i think the skills are there i just think he needs to put it all together as far as severino like he actually had a better season like people don't really realize this um his his era and whip it was era was better his, his whip yeah his whip was definitely better um his strikeouts weren't as high um but his walk rate was way better. And that's going so much cheaper, so much later than Rodon, but I'm sure. You know, I'm willing to take him late in drafts. And my take on those guys. Um, So, yeah, I like, uh, I like Rodon. I agree, though, that his stats are, you know, a little alarming. Um, the the width at 144 last year definitely hurts. And the ERA, you know, a quarter of a point under four. You know, hopefully he can settle in and get those back in line a little bit more. I mean, even if he's sitting at like a one three width or like a one two eight something like that, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I'd, I'd still be okay with that where he is right now. Um, I mean, just looking at some of the guys around him, I, I, I would rather have him on the potential um, than than who's out there. Um, 
you know, right so, around. So, you know, I'm looking at, sorry, sorry to cut well, you off, but I'm looking at, I'm looking at, uh, ADP numbers now. I just noticed that Severino jumped above a Rod- jumped jumped above Rodon all of a sudden. So apparently, when I when I was looking at this a long time ago, um, and I I didn't check again today. But when I was looking at yeah. this, uh, writing a few people have like called real quick to this and started taking him a lot earlier. Um, so that's, that's interesting. That's interesting to see yeah. how that changed so quickly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, apparently Severino is, yeah, everybody agrees with me now, and he's going a little bit ahead of Rodon. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it plays out. But, I mean, I, I like both guys. I, I don't think they're going to hit that big sophomore slump. They're still going to be on innings caps. Um, so, you know, it just depends to see on when they start getting tired down the stretch. I think once those, you know, they start getting a little closer to those caps, they might they might start to falter a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. But hopefully it's later than earlier. Yeah, and so um, to finish up here, you know, we usually do our sleepers and busts, but but for this, you know, because I feel like pitching prospects are always kind of a big, big, big deal. Um, you don't always have a big prospect at every batting position, but for pitching, there's always guys out there that everybody's excited about. Um so I want to kind of give our one, our our one guy that you're really looking who can make a big impact in 2016 at some point. Usually these guys don't start the season in the majors, but they get called up in the middle of the year, and they they can make a big difference for your fantasy team. And uh, my, my guy is Tyler Glass now, the Pittsburgh Pirates guy. Um, I was going to say Lucas Giolito, but the Nationals. I'm not even really sure that they're going to call this kid up. They just, they baby their, their pitchers. You know, you've seen it with Strasburg. You've seen it, you know, you've seen it before. Like they just baby their pitchers. So I'm kind of worried that they're not going to pull him up or if they do, it's going to be like September and it's going to be so like, so pointless by that point, not pointless, but it's just, it's not going to make the impact that, you know, for your overall team that you would have hoped. But Glasnow is, is, uh, is a top prospect. He's kind of blown through the minors and gotten, he's almost gotten better at every spot. His bad thing is command. And that's always something you got to be worried about with young guys is command. And his isn't very good right now, although it's gotten better um, in his years. So that that's, that's a good thing, but yeah, he's got swing and miss stuff, uh, high strikeout rates all through the minors. So he can get guys whether or not he walks a ton of them every time he goes out too. That's, when we're have with him, but but I don't try and take a chance on him in a couple of drafts. Yeah, I've got a couple of guys listed here. Uh, I mean, the first one is Stephen Matz. I don't know if he's necessarily a prospect still because he's projected he to is. start the year. Um, but I mean, the guy the guy had a, a real nice 2015 in the the six games that he came up and started. He only got through, you know, 35 and, and two-thirds innings, um, but he was sitting at, at a, you know, a 227 ERA. And granted, it's a small sample size, but it's still a nice ERA for the first six games, only giving up nine earned runs, four of them mm-hmm. were home runs. So that's a little worrisome. He needs to 
you know, try to, to garner that and also had 10 walks to 34 strikeouts. So, you know, it's pretty, pretty okay. I mean, I guess, but, um, he went four and oh, so, you know, that's, that's nice to see as well. I, I, I'm again, hate to say it, but I'm kind of excited to see what all these, all of these young Mets pitchers can do. But the other guy I really do like is, uh, Blake Snell from Tampa Bay. I mean, this guy just really broke out in uh, in the minors in 2015. He opened the season with 46 consecutive scoreless innings, dominated across all three levels uh, to finish with you know a 1.41 ERA, uh, which was the best in the minors, um, and the fourth highest strikeout total at 163. So, you know, he's got he's got a a nice fastball. He's got a slider and a changeup that, that's pretty solid. Um, you know, kind of like Glass now, I think his control is his issue. Um, so if he can kind of harness that in, I think I think he's going to get the call up to Tampa Bay pretty early um, in my mind. He's definitely projected to be up this year. So uh, if they start, you know, getting some offense behind him or, or definitely have an injury, I can easily see him get the call and the Rays are known for injuries so it's very possible yeah I think he'll be up early uh he went really early in my in my dynasty draft this past uh just yesterday uh he was still sitting out on the as one of the available people you could draft um so he went like real real early anyway um the sleepers here. My sleeper is uh, Wei-Yin Chen. He, um, I think this guy's underrated big time to me. Um, he, he, you know, I think it's because he's not like great at anything, and he doesn't strike out a lot of guys. But you got to remember, he's moving from the AL East and Camden Yards to the NL East and Miami. Uh, he's moving from a big hitter's ballpark to a pitcher's ballpark. And in a division where the offenses are to say, you know, they suck. <laughs> let's put it, let's not put it lightly. They suck. Um, they are definitely not the division known for their offense. You got the Braves who are pretty bad. You've got the Phillies who we know are bad. The Mets kind of came on strong last year, but for over half the season, we were talking about how bad their offense was. Um, I'm blanking on the fourth team for some stupid reason. Oh, well, obviously the Marlins. Atlanta. Um, yeah. So, I mean, anyway, the, he's going to be able, he's going to have a boost in value. I don't know if his strikeouts are going to increase, but his ERA and his whip probably will, will go down. Um, you know, he might not get a ton of wins because he plays from Miami, but you know, he wasn't getting a ton before, but if you play in quality starts leagues, you know, he's going to be a huge, a huge guy for that. Like he's always been good for quality starts because he's got the ERA and he's got the whip that, that keep him in the games, at least for six innings. And, and he doesn't go over very much. So I think, I think he's a sleeper that somebody should pay, you know, everybody should pay attention to. I lose you. I am having problems with my hello. Oh, hey, sorry. You there? Uh, yes. 
Sorry, I, I had uh, I accidentally hit the mute button. Anyway, oh, I, I was um, like, did I did I cut out? <laughs> I thought it was like total. I was gonna have to like thought I had to end the show there for a second. I know what was going yeah. on. No, we're we're good. I'm uh, user error on my part. Anyway, my uh, my my sleeper here, uh, as I was starting to say, is uh, you know a little bit of a of an oldie but goodie in my mind. He had very solid numbers for the Cardinals last year. And he's now pitching for the division rival Chicago Cubs, Mr. John Lackey. You know, he's back together with his 2013 Red Sox World Series championship teammates, uh, you know, David Ross behind the plate and John Lester in the rotation with him. You know, I think he's going to really thrive for this team. You know, they've already been picked to make it to this season, the World Series. So he's got that playoff pedigree as it is. You know, I, I definitely don't see the ERA sticking below three again, um, but he, he's not going to hurt you there either. And I can see him, you know, kind of hovering between 13 to 16, um, 13 to 16 wins, maybe 170 to 185 Ks. Um, he's he's projected to be pitching in the three hole, so you know, I think he's going to have he, he's going to be going up against you know the mid-tier guys on these other teams as well. So um, I definitely think he, he's a little undervalued even right now too. So I'd be happy to jump on him in the eighth or ninth rounds as my second or third starting pitcher, depending on who's on the board. Hello. So we may have lost Joe. Maybe, maybe not. Well, I'll keep talking. Um, We're going to go ahead and uh, go with my my bust, if anyone can hear me. Um, I'm going to go with uh, James Shields here. He is still a good pitcher. But I just don't know if he's got exactly what he used to have. Um, you know, he went 13 and seven and had 260 Ks last year, which is very solid. But the 3.91 ERA and 133 WHIP are, are pretty scary to me. Um, I, I thought he'd be much better last season uh, going over to. to Okay, so I think I'm I think I'm finally back, but you can keep talking. You're talking about James Shields, obviously. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, spacious Petco Park in San Diego, but overall he was pretty average. Um, you know, Tyson Ross is a clear-cut number one guy there. They still have Andrew Kashner, who's meh, but you know, big James, big game James. It could have some slightly better success going against the, the number two and number three guys. Um, but, you know, I'm not necessarily looking to take him any earlier than the 11th or 12th round, uh, you know, unless he's still hanging around late. Yeah, I mean, that's James Shields. So, sorry about that. I don't know what's going on with my internet. I don't, I, the last, <laughs> this is like two out of the last three shows that my internet has just completely crapped out on me in the middle of the show. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, he... Honestly, he's not even really going any like, or he's going right around that range. So it's it's not totally yeah. surprising that. 
but yeah, I mean, I could easily see kind of a, you know, another down ish year from him. I mean, the strikeouts are nice, but he's not really, he's not really like winning you any leagues anymore. He's just not that pitcher anymore. So I could see that. Yeah. And he's old too. So, I mean, he's been in the league for a long time already. So, you know, he's definitely on the down slope and, and, in dynasty leagues, you know, I'm, I I would have I got rid of him last year when I had him, so I'm not looking to really hold on to him. I'll find my case somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so so moving on, my my bust is actually going to be Michael Pineda. Um, yeah, I've always kind of been. I guess if there's one guy that I've always had like a man crush on, it's been Michael Pineda. I've always thought that the talent is there. Um, back from his Mariner days when he was really young, you know, he, he came in and kind of, you know, he pitched really well. Um, and every time he's healthy, he seems to do good. So, you know, back in 2014, before he got injured, he was like lights out. Um, last year was a different story. He was actually healthy for the majority of the year. Um, was last year the stupid year he got suspended for the um, pine tar? Pine tar. Uh, I think it was last year, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's an idiot. So, you know, he was he was actually pitching, like, really well before then, even, too. And then, I don't know, his, his ERA kind of blew up last year. And I think that's kind of a, a little bit of an anomaly. But um, he, he's also just very hittable. Like, he, he just – he has a high bat bip. Um, which kind of says to me that it, it might go down a little bit. But it, I think it also just has – to do with the fact that he's just a very hittable pitcher. Um, and to me, I just kind of thinking I'm just staying away this year. Like, you know, if you're a hittable pitcher in a hitter's park, that's not a good thing. So I'm, I'm just kind of staying away from him. Yeah. Correction. 2014. It was the pine tar incident. Was it? Okay. Or I can remember. Incidents. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because he got he got suspended for it, and then he came back and got hurt immediately. Because I held on yeah. to him through suspension, and I was all mad. Um, yeah. Anyway, so moving on, since we had our little delay there with with the internet, and uh, I'm hoping because I've never actually had that happen where I've had a co-host on uh, that they were able to hear you talking through that, like because I had to turn off my show, my call in. So since I'm the you know, air quotes host. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it stopped the show, but we'll hopefully well, I, it didn't. I, yeah, I didn't hear anything for a minute, and then I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna start talking again. <laughs> so I went. Hopefully, and, that means uh, there was actually. Yeah, uh, hopefully the most we, of the James. We will Shield find out when we listen back. Yeah, it'll be a good uh, in case you missed it. That's for sure. <laughs> Right. Um, anyway, so some relief pitchers. Let's get to them. <laughs> I had it. I told you I was going to go nuts. <laughs> How could I not do that? <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, so I mean, good. It, it works. It does. 
Um, and since I had a whole whopping like two minutes today to find the, the sound clips, I just kind of defaulted to that. And hey, it was easy. It worked. Anyway, relief pitchers, man. Like, I don't know, this is such a fragile, shaky position. I hate it for some reason. I just dread wasting my top draft picks on guys who if they blow like two games in a row, they get pulled and they lose their job. Um, and so I, I just, I don't do it. Um, you know, ideally the, the top guys are there and they're the top guys because they've had the job for years and they've done it for years and they've got the pedigree and they got the high K rates and, and everything else. And, you know, they're keeping your, your your ERAs and your whip down. And so, you know, they're just kind of that overall good pitcher. They're getting you all the saves, too. Um, but, I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Some Every year, one of these top guys totally falls on their face. Um, so, to me, I, I, I don't overpay for saves. I wait and get, like, maybe one middle-of-the-road guy who I think is safer than the rest of them. And then, you know, I'll pick up a couple really cheap guys and then just kind of hawk the waiver wire. I mean, and, and I'll just figure it out at some point. I'm usually I'm usually doing okay enough in saves that I'm competitive. I may not win it, but I'm competitive. There have been years where I have found better guys off the waiver wire than a lot of teams have drafted closers. And it just works out that way because this is like the roulette wheel position. You can just spin the wheel and we're just, it'll, the ball will randomly fall on some pitcher that's just going to lose their job. That's just how it works. So, yeah, I don't know if you've got any different kind of strategy, but that's what I do. No, I mean, I, I like having one of the top guys, but, I also don't like to pay for saves. Hell, my name in our league is punting save. So, <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't tell you much about how I feel about relief pitchers, um, well, specifically closers, then I don't know what else would. But, yeah, I mean, you can always find somebody that's going to get you saves. But from what I've seen, even over the past, you know, like two years, I feel like, it has been a little harder to do because some of these guys still end up keeping their roles a little bit longer. And and some of the guys are getting longer leashes um, with their like blow up games. So I, I think you can still always find guys, but as long as you have, you know, a mid a mid range guy that you know is going to be consistent and get you a couple of saves each week, then you should be fine. Yeah, and um, you know, getting right into it here, we you know we touched on this a little bit last week because the news came out, but a role of Chapman, you know, we've had a week to kind of sit on it now. How does his suspension affect his draft status, in your opinion? And, you know, obviously Andrew Miller is going to be the guy to step in. You know, how how high are you moving him up, knowing that it is only a month? Well, see, to me, I feel like New York's got this three-headed monster now bringing Chapman in when they already had Miller and they already had uh, uh, Dylan Batances. 
I to me, I I think it moves Miller up. You know, maybe into the top fifteen. Uh, that's about as high as I would put him, though. And I say that because if he's the go-to right now, he's going to be the one that gets the first shot, you know, on Chapman's off days. Um, So I still think he's going to hold a decent amount of value throughout the whole season. And, you know, who knows if Chapman gets hurt or, you know, gets into some other off-the-field issue and, and ends up, finding himself suspended again for whatever reason. It sounds like Miller's going to be the guy. The chances is still going to be valuable, but he's falling back to the setup role, you know, for now. And then to me, I think, you know, once Miller takes back over the setup role, the chances is going to be your, you know, Kansas City-esque seventh inning guy. So, he he loses some value to me. I, I still think I'd, I'd have him as high as where he is right now. I mean, I, I like all three guys. I think all three can help you in in say you know even in saves leagues, uh, even Batanzas. I mean, the, the the ratios and the strikeouts you get from him, you know that that's that's something that I think people don't really look at, especially in like head to head category leagues. Um, roto leagues like these lower end starting pitchers these guys some of these guys that you're drafting later because they're going to get you more innings and possibly more strikeouts and you know possibly the wins they can hurt you though like some of these guys carry like 1.4 whips like that's bad for your team that's dragging your team down Um, so you you get guys like Dylan Batances, you get guys like Andrew Miller when they're when they're not in the closer role, and they help you. They keep your ratios down. They keep you competitive in those in those categories, instead of hurting you like some of these lower end starting pitchers do. But that said, um, I've only moved Chapman down to number five. I, I think I said I was going to do that last week, and I started looking at it some more. And he, you know, he's right ahead of Rosen, Rosenthal for me, and 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 that group. Um, I just think a month isn't a lot of time. I mean, we're talking like 26 games. Um, I mean, it's it's a lot, but it isn't too. Like uh, the the number of strikeouts that Chapman's going to get you, the number of saves he'll probably be able to get you for the last five months of the season is going to be really good. Um, Miller, I've moved up to number 21 in my rankings. Uh, I, I've moved him ahead of guys like Ziegler and, you know, Doolittle and Cichek and Will Smith and, you know, Rodney and, and, and those guys that, like, those guys at any at any time could just, poof, lose their job. And I don't think it could be, you know, I don't think anybody would be surprised. So, so Miller, yeah. I think, because he is such a much better pitcher than them, now that he's going to get a month's worth of saves, just helps him out uh, extremely. You know, a, not a lot, but enough. Like I, because I had him ranked in the mid, in the like mid thirties there, like just below all the closers. I kind of, I kind of put all the starting closers above everybody else. That's just kind of how I rank my relievers. Um, yeah. So, a guy, you know, we talked about guys returning from injuries. 
for starting and for starters and, and a guy that has been a top-notch closer for years now um glenn perkins he you know he dealt with a bunch of injuries last season you know into his neck and his back and um i think he missed some time but he but you know i think he was trying to pitch through it too and he, he had a decent season still saved 32 games um his strikeout rate was down. His ERA kind of ballooned up because of it. I think, um, you know, I don't know if you're gonna, I don't know if you're ever gonna see the the 2013 Glenn Perkins where he had a, you know, an 11 K per nine, a 2.30 WHIP or ERA, but I think he's somebody that's being severely under underrated in going into this year because everybody's kind of gotten scared off by the injuries and maybe the age and 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 the workload, but. I, I think he's one of the safer closers in the game. I mean, who does Minnesota really have behind him? Like, who cares? They're gonna they're gonna ride him as long as they possibly can, and he's earned a long leash, and that matters a lot. Like, if I'm looking for like a mid round guy for closers, and he's still sitting there, he's the guy I'm getting because I think he's really safe. Yeah, I, I, I like Perkins. Um, I definitely think he can he can bounce back and you know, I don't know if he'll ever be the same guy, but I still think that he's definitely valuable. Um, you know, if he's, if he's fully healthy, Minnesota is one of those teams where they're going to get those save opportunities a lot because of, you know, they're not going to be blowing out their opponents all the time. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one of the other things I probably could have mentioned this earlier in the draft strategy part, but that's one of the things I do look for in the guys that I'm drafting because you know you're going to get those opportunities. The more opportunities you have, the more saves you should have. Um, you know, and, and these some of these bad teams that you know are going to have to win games throughout the year, um, granted it's going to be a smaller amount of games, but they could be winning three to four games a week and be able to have enough, you know, leeway to throw their guys in. And Perkins is one of those guys for me. Yeah, no, 100% Probably. agree. I mean, just just look at, like, Steve Shisek for, for the Marlins. I mean, the 2013 and 2014, I mean, saved 34 and 39 games. This was the Marlins. They were, like, the worst team in the league those years. Um, yeah. So that, that tells you a lot. Like, yeah, don't discount the closers on the the bad teams. They win games too. You know, it, they just like you said, they win games. They win a lot of them close. So yeah. their closers get used a lot. <laughs> and uh, if they've got a if they've got a good one like a Glenn Perkins, I think you know they can be very valuable. And Perkins is going at a discount in my opinion right now. So. Uh, do, do not forget about Perkins this year. Now that said, as I mentioned before, there are always closer changes. What is one that you are going to put money on right now if you had to? Well, I mean, you didn't preface it that I was going to put money on it, but uh, I, I'm going with Tyler Clippard in Arizona. Um, Brad Ziegler is definitely the man to start the season. Uh, he he had a really nice season last year. Um, you know, for again another one of those 
borderline teams that's not winning a lot but winning enough games and getting them close that they have these opportunities. I mean, Ziegler had 30 saves last year and only 16 earned runs. So he blew three saves, um, you know, at least. His record was 0-3, so he blew at least three saves. I don't have the full stats in front of me. But he had an ERA just over two and a whip under one. I mean, that's very solid closer statistics. Mm-hmm. But it's Arizona, and we've seen in Arizona in the past their leash is fairly short for their closers. Um, Tyler Clifford's a guy who has experience closing everywhere he's been. I mean, Washington, he was a, a lights-out uh, setup guy, and then he became a closer, and he, he took over that role for, you know, for pretty good, successful uh, opportunities. He went to the Mets, I believe, last year, I think. He was at the Mets for a little bit, and I think he closed out a couple games there. I mean, he's just been one of those guys that's been solid as a reliever everywhere he's been, and, and he's got that experience to do it. I think he can easily take over Ziggler's role if he falters. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. That's actually the one I wanted to pick, but I saw you wrote it down, so I didn't. I, you know, I've decided to go another direction. It's probably a little bit more risky of a one, but I kind of think Luke Gregerson can take over for Ken, Ken Giles. Um, I started looking a little bit more at Ken Giles, and and I think he he looks like an elite guy, and he's got the pedigree. He's got, you know he was the top. You know he was a highly touted prospect coming out. Um, you know, he an 11K per nine, he had a 1.8 ERA last season for the Phillies. Um, but yeah, he walks a lot of guys, and and as a closer, that's that's a really dangerous thing. Like that just means he puts guys on base, and and one swing of the bat means that a couple, you know, couple walks, all three of those guys are scoring. You know, one home run ends you, and you know they the Astros are going to be competitive this year again. I think. And I, I don't think the manager's really going to mess around with their closer-blowing games. So I kind of think Luke Gregerson at some point in the season is going to take over. I don't know if it's going to be a permanent move, but it, it very well could be because Gregerson you know, did a good job for him last year, so there's no reason to think that he can't do it again. Well, see, it's funny that you, you highlighted those two guys because they're actually the ones that I was thinking of picking. Um, to me, I I would have flipped it though. I would have said Ken Giles because Gregerson's in the mindset that it's still his role and he's still the closer because of how he yeah. performed last year. I I don't I don't think, think that it that's is the case. I, I yeah, think I think they right brought now, in Giles. Yeah. yeah, I think they brought in Giles to be the closer. Um, but Gregerson uh, uh, again, another guy who's had the experience in San Diego, in Oakland, and last year in Houston. He's been solid as a reliever and as a closer when he's been there. So I, that, that's an interesting situation for me between those two guys. I think both of them have value this, this year all the way through. Um, I think ultimately Giles keeps the role, but it wouldn't surprise me to see that switch either. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I really do think it could go, it could go either way, but I, I think Giles, because like you said, they traded for him. I think he's going to get the first shot at it. I don't think you trade for somebody like him and just go, oh, nope, you can be the setup guy, unless you're the Yankees because they're weird. Um, so, anyway, uh, to finish it off, sleepers. Um, I mean, I had a tough time picking sleepers because I think all these guys that are kind of ranked at that bottom tier here are kind of – they can easily lose their job. But one guy I kind of think is being overlooked is Jake McGee. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Colorado um, is is not a good landing spot for any pitcher. I mean, let's be honest there. There hasn't been a good pitcher in Colorado since Ubaldo Jimenez had that fantastic first half of the season. I don't even remember what year that was now. Um, but, you know, he can strike out guys – um, like with the best of them. And, you know, if people aren't hitting the ball in Colorado, you can't do anything about it. So I think that can counter Colorado real quick. And he could, he could be a sneaky good closer that you can get really, really late in drafts. Yeah. I, I like the key too. And, you know, Colorado, Again, probably on the cusp of one of those teams. Uh, you know, they're the they're what you need. Um, my my sleeper though is you know another oldie but goodie. I'm going with uh, Francisco Rodriguez, K. Rod. Um, I'm just going to throw out my predictions for him. You know, he's in a much better situation than he was last year to Detroit from Milwaukee. Um, I'm predicting 41 saves, 70 strikeouts, an ERA under 2.15, and a whip under .80. That's uh, that's my bold prediction for, for K-Rod. Um, most likely to happen of all of those predictions, maybe the saves, because Detroit's going to win a lot of games. So everything else. Uh, you hope so. Their starting pitching isn't very good. So, uh, I mean, they're, they're back to Verlander yeah. starting. <laughs> the opening day starter. That's not a good thing anymore. We'll, we'll see if they can, can win some games. They're kind of like the Orioles. they got a good offense with terrible pitching. Yeah. So, um, I'll, let you, I'll let you do your bust and I'll finish off here. All right. Uh, I'm going with uh, a guy who I think is – I mean – I don't know. I looked at the stats, and, and yeah, they're good, but I I just I just don't see him as number seven right now. I mean, to me, that was very surprising that he was this high up, and that's Mr. David Robertson, um, not not the uh, you know the Admiral David Robinson, Robertson, Chicago White Sox, not a very good team, so. You know, that mimics what we've been talking what? about. <laughs> mimics what we've been talking oh, yeah. about, that that's, you know, the type of closer you want to get. Um, you know, the guy had 34 saves last year and a 6-5 and five win-loss record in 63 innings. Um, his whip was a ridiculous .93. Very good for what you would want in a closer. But his ERA was sitting at 341. So, 
that's not really good at all to me. And, and what I'm predicting for him this year is he falls short of 30 saves and gets a, a, a 28 total save. He's going to have an ERA over 350, and his whip is going to skyrocket to 120. One okay, one twenty. I, I um, yeah. I have to question you about that one. Where did you get one twenty, man? He hasn't had a one twenty ERA since back in two thousand and ten with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last three seasons, one point oh four, one point oh six, point nine three. He said strikeout rates of above thirty for the most part of his career. Walk rates pretty good. Um. You know, I I actually can't really figure out where all the where his ERA is ballooning up to three point. Well, not ballooning; it's not terrible, but it's not great either. But no, I almost can't really for figure a, out for a closer. You know, a closer should not have an ERA over three. I mean, granted, I know it's it's a, a lot, lot of less them do, meaning. but um, yeah, I mean, they they. Uh, to me, that is too high of an ERA for for a closer that Where saves the, that the many whip, games. Though, like the fact that he could strike out that many people and he walks so few batters. Like, I'm not really sure where you're getting this high whip from. That doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't have to make sense. It's a bold prediction. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. I don't think the guy. I don't think that he's he's worth what he's ranked at. I would much rather have Giles. I would much rather have Britton. Much rather have Rosenthal. And hell, I'd much rather have K. Rod, who's sitting at fifteen right now. Mm. I just think that I mean, I think the White Sox have gone out. They've made some moves. They're going to attempt to be competitive. I, I just don't think that they will be, and. I just I just don't like Robertson where he is. I mean, yeah, I'm I mean, I guess the wrong. only thing he, I guess the only thing he does is he seems like he allows a a few home runs, and so to where he's not allowing a lot of hits, he's allowing those home runs. Yeah. Um, so well, that that's, that's where he's he getting burned. So that that's where the ERA gets gets bumped up from. But I mean. Got his fit and his ex fit, man. They're they're in the twos, the low twos. Everything about this guy tells me that that you're wrong on this. So I am going to politely disagree. Maybe I shouldn't even politely <laughs> disagree. I'm just going to flat out disagree with you there and say that David Robertson's still going to be one of the top ten closers in, in baseball this year. Um, now one of the busts for me is Familia from the Mets. I mean, this guy went on a tear last year, and, you know, I think he was always kind of one of those guys that everybody thought could possibly do it. Um, he just had never put it all together, but he went on such a run. Um, I, I just kind of think he's – everybody's looking at that run, you know, 21 to 21 there for for a period of time, and just thinking, oh, that that's that's it. That's that's who he is, and, and he's good. Um, I don't know. I – I'm typically in the camp of prove it to me again type of type of thing. And he, he, he's that player to me. 
you know, all the peripherals say that, that he should be that good. I'm just not buying into one fluke. You know, I'm calling it a flukish type of season, you know, kind of like an Arietta second half last year. Like, Arietta is not doing that again, and Familia is not doing that again. He's not going to be that good. He'll be good, but he's not going to be that good. And I think he's being overdrafted because of it. Yeah. So, so that's it for the show. Um, I hope you all enjoyed all the position previews. If you missed any of them, you can go on to so-called fantasy experts and uh, go to the podcast section and, and look them all up or blog talk radio and look us up. And, um, and you can listen back to all of them and get ready for the 2016 season. Uh, we will be back next week with uh, some other topics. We haven't quite planned them all out yet, but uh, I think we're going to try and do at least like a DFS primer and, and and some other topics here that we'll mix in. But we are done with the position previews, and I, I had fun doing them. So, um, yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed them, and they were definitely – and that they were useful for you. And, and uh, see you all next week. All right, sounds good. See you later.